Let's do this. Welcome to episode 145 of In the Huddle on Can You Dig Sports Radio. My name is Zach Kroll, along with my guy, The Real Lil, and we are here today going over the most interesting, the most fascinating, the most polarizing topics in all of sports. The request line, one eight three three radio bx if you want to get in touch here with us today. And wow, it feels so good to be sitting here on a Monday after a full Sunday of NFL action, 14 games in the books yesterday. So many things to talk about, so many teams, so many games, so many players, and I'm really looking forward to doing it with you guys today. Before we start off, I wanted to introduce to you guys my co-host, The Real Lil. Lil, I hope you enjoyed your first Sunday of the season. Feels like, it just feels amazing to have football back. I've missed this, just being on the couch all day, red zone popping, multiple TVs all across the room. It was an awesome feeling, man. Fans back in the stands also. I hope everyone who went to any games yesterday had a great time. How we doing? What it do, what it do, what it do. Zach, I'm feeling good, man. It was week one. I got to watch the games. Listen, I tried to pick one or two games that I really wanted to focus my attention on, but the flipping back and forth, I couldn't do it, man. I'm only one guy. I would have had to go to the Chrome Factory and make three of me to watch three games. I couldn't do it. I had to pop on that red zone and see what was going on at all at once. And the red zone, you know, shout out to those guys. They do a good job of showing you each game. You know, that's a very multitasking job gig that they have over there trying to show you, you know, each games, you know, the games that's going on, the red zone and what teams are in the red zone and that sort. So shout out to them. Shout out to all the games that was on. Shout out to all the players on these teams to give us something that we can sit back and watch on a Sunday, you know? So, listen, man, I'm pumped. I'm ready to go in the huddle. Y'all know that's where we cook, and we're going to cook up once again. Zach, I need to say no more. Let's get this show on the road. Well, my guy, it feels great to have football back. Without further ado, let's get right to it. And As far as, like, poise down the stretch, is that is that more of an experience thing, do you think, or, or do you feel like your team maybe should have performed a little bit better when it mattered most? Yeah, Tom, I'd say we have high expectations for ourselves. Uh, you know you're going to have to play a 60-minute game. All these plays matter, one through 65, however many plays you get. Uh, so we got to be able to, to play clean football, and that's really for 60 minutes uh, versus any uh, opponent in the NFL. Any people's eyes, the game of the day yesterday, that CBS 430 game where everyone's attention is on two of the best teams in the NFL. And yes, in a rematch of the AFC divisional round, Kansas City, the Chiefs notch a comeback win, 33-29 to over the Cleveland Browns. And the question that we have on the table for you guys today is, did the Browns prove they are the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC? I will. I'll throw this one over to you to start us off. Oh, man. No, I don't think the Browns showed that they are the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC, right? Let's cut to the chase, right? Shout out to Jamal Chase. He played <laughs> out good. But let's cut to the chase. Listen, man, they played good. Don't get me wrong. For three quarters, they played good. I thought they had an excellent game plan going into Kansas City. Kevin Skafansky called the perfect game. He's rising up, bro. He's definitely a great coach. You know, a lot of bootlegs, play action passes. Get the ball out of Baker Mayfield's hands. Baker Mayfield himself do some good balls. You know, I was getting ready to say that it was Baker Mayfield's probably, it was probably his best game. You know, throwing the ball down the field, Anthony Swartz had a 44-yard catch from Baker Mayfield. That was a good pass. He also made an excellent pass to David Njoku, 43-yard pass 
you know, a couple passes to David Njoku. He was heavily involved in the offense, running the football, mixing it in with the run. That was good. They had a great game plan. But then, late in the game, your defense made a stop. Normally, when Kansas City has the ball with the lead, trying to ice the game, nine times out of ten, they will ice the game. And your defense got a stop on Patrick Mahomes, got a sack, gave you the ball back. And I'm sitting here, and I'm watching from my couch, and I'm saying to myself, right to my mind, yo, Lil, this is where Baker Mayfield is going to show me that he's worth that contract that's looming. Right here, perfect opportunity. An opportunity with enough time on the clock to win this game on the road against a team that sent you packing in the playoffs who you're going to have to go through again if you want to get to the Super Bowl. And sure enough, Baker Mayfield falling on the ground, throws up a, a wild pass, and it's intercepted, right? So what that showed me is that no matter how good Kevin Skafanski calls a game, right, whether it's in the regular season, whether it's in the playoffs, you cannot hide Baker Mayfield and put the pacifier on his mouth forever. He's going to have to win you a game when it counts the most. And if he can't do that, you will not beat Kansas City. So you cannot Kevin Skafanski your way to a Super Bowl. It's not happening with the Chiefs standing in your way. Baker Mayfield has to take that next step. He played good. He performed. But when I look at this Browns team and the mistakes and just handing this game to the Chiefs, they're not ready for the moment. I think you could watch this game and people are definitely going to feel so many ways about both teams coming from both sides because this was just a really good football game, like back and forth action. Both quarterbacks were slinging the ball, obviously. I think a couple of things stand out for me. Number one, I've mentioned it many times on this show. I think Cleveland has one of the most talented rosters in the NFL. Plus, I agree with you 100% about Kevin Stefanski. I think he is a rising star uh, in this coaching industry. And I think for the first half, like Cleveland really came ready to play. I, I kind of got the sense that Dating back to the playoff game last year, this was really a game Cleveland had circled on their calendar. And especially when you consider Kansas City, their winning pedigree, the fact that they've made three straight AFC championship games. Patrick Mahomes has never lost a game in September. I still don't know how that is a real stat. 11 touchdowns, zero picks in the month of September. But Cleveland came to play in the first half yesterday. Like There was no doubt about it. And I think they got hungry. In a similar way to how we spoke about the Cowboys-Bucks game on Friday, my main takeaway is that Kansas City, unless you come up with the perfect game plan like Tampa Bay did last year in the Super Bowl, they, in a similar way to Tampa Bay, are really tough to beat because I think, as you said, for the first three quarters, uh, Cleveland played a really good game. And in the first half, Kansas City was sleepwalking. They really didn't impress me at all. But then all of a sudden in the second half, Mahomes throws two touchdowns to Kelsey. He throws that bomb to Tyreek Hill. I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire didn't even play that well behind a good effort uh, of the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line. I think that unit is really a, a big difference maker uh, for the Chiefs. And I just think the Chiefs showed you, kind of in a similar way to Tampa Bay, uh, just how hard they are to beat. Right now, I would consider the Chiefs the clear best team in the AFC. And in terms of a threat, I guess I'd put the Browns there. But to be honest, like they haven't, I agree, like they're, they aren't the clear second threat. They haven't really proven me anything to show me that they are significantly better than Buffalo, albeit the Bills didn't really show up yesterday. Significantly better than Baltimore and, you know, all the, we Miami, New England, like we spoke about all these teams in the AFC, just the Chargers, just how deep 
uh, of a conference this really is. And I think Cleveland, at the quarterback position, man, they have a lot to prove. I think that Baker Mayfield is a capable quarterback, and he's a guy that could win you a lot of games. But in that sense, like yesterday, um, we saw Justin Herbert for the Chargers, right, in that game against the Washington football team. He refused to get off the field to end that game. The Chargers had a six-minute drive to end that game, and he made all of the throws. He made those timely clutch throws that really prevented Washington from ever getting the ball back. And he was a quarterback based by his performance and the amount of clutch throws that he was able to make. Like He won the Chargers the game. That is something that Baker Mayfield hasn't really been able to do in the big moments. And as a Browns fan, no doubt, it's super concerning. If you're the Browns, though, you don't want to turn this game into just like a big moral victory and then just, you know, sleepwalk the next three days, a couple couple games. Like, nothing is going to be handed to you. And even though I love Kevin Stefanski and this roster is really talented, I wouldn't be shocked if the Browns just go all flat-out Browns and just, you know, struggle based on this loss. I think this was really an opportunity. Uh, obviously, their punter fumbling the ball away. Like, I think that was the turning point of the game. Once that happened, I kind of got the sense that Kansas City was going to end up getting the win. But I just wanted to say, man, like, we are watching special with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. Like, these guys are just so fun to watch. I think all of them are once-in-a-generation type talents. And the Chiefs are just an amazing team, man. That offense is just super dynamic. The thing that makes Patrick Mahomes so great, which Baker Mayfield really hasn't been able to prove yet, is that it's almost like the score doesn't matter with Patrick Mahomes. You could be down 24 to nothing like the Houston Texans and the Chiefs were in that uh, AFC divisional round a couple years ago, and the Chiefs offense could just strike so quickly. I mean, when he hit Tyreek Hill for that long touchdown, I mean, what was that? I mean, that was just first play. I feel like there are very few quarterbacks in the league that could just pull that off with that receiver just sprinting towards the end zone. It was a great second half by the Chiefs. I think their offensive line is a big difference and a big key going forward. And for Cleveland, yeah, they had some good moments. They had some bright spots, but I still do think they have a lot to prove. I mean, yeah, they had the right game plan going into the game, right? Being aggressive, going forward on fourth down. Um, going for the two point because I, I realized it was eight points. I left the TV when they scored. I saw eight points on the, on the score, so I'm guessing they went for two. Yeah, one, one and, thing um, I loved Stefanski's aggressiveness, dude. Like he was going for yeah. every fourth and short. Like it was impressive. Not and that's not how you beat the Chiefs. Do that, yeah. And that's how you beat the Chiefs. However, what they failed to do, which could have won them that game, was play smart at the end. The turnovers that cost them. So when you're going up against the likes of Kansas City. In Tampa Bay, right? The two heads of the NFC and the AFC. You have to play discipline, right? You have to play discipline and you have to be aggressive. You can't do one of the two. You have to do both. And yes, credit to Patrick Mahomes. Credit to Travis Kelsey. Credit to Tyreek Hill. Obviously, we all know what them plays about. They're all about business. And they're very talented. Once in a generational type of talents on the same team. However, the Texans, like you alluded to, they did some dumb stuff. Right, um, fake punting and, and trying to pass way behind, you know, way in their own territory. I mean, it's stuff like that. You're not going to beat the Kansas City Chiefs. And when that puncher fumbled the snap, I said this game was over right then and there. It's over when you give talented teams like this life with great quarterbacks, the game is over. I think that the, the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs probably lies in their own division. If I'm being legitimate here, I'm talking about the Chargers. Justin Herbert, you said it, flat out won them that game. They have the talent, but he won them that game. Mike Williams was a guy that I said before a couple weeks ago that he was going to have a breakout year. Eight catches, 
he was doing it all. And he he wasn't even that decoy going down the field. He was in the slot a lot and catching a lot of balls from the slot. Obviously, Keenan Allen, catch machine. He dropped a couple passes, uncharacteristic, but he was good. Guyton is another guy. That's their deep talking. That's their home one hitter now. You also got him, Eckler. They did good. It's a Washington football team with a stout defensive line and an underrated secondary. And Justin Herbert stood there and won them that game. That's the guy you got to watch out for. At the end of the day, talent is talent. The Browns have talent, but they don't have that quarterback that's going to go there and beat Patrick Mahomes, right? Look at the Broncos. That's another team. And we could get into the quarterbacks and what you think about Teddy and how Teddy can go up against Patrick Mahomes. But one thing about Teddy is that he do not turn the ball over, and that's good. And I think from what I saw yesterday and from what I predicted, having the Broncos make the playoffs, I predicted it. I think this is going to be one of his best years of his career, Teddy Bridgewater, that is, because of the weapons. And Vic Fangio is known not to be aggressive. He is not an aggressive guy. He rather wins with his defense. Yesterday, he went forward on three, four downs. That shows me that he believes in Teddy because he knows Teddy is not going to put the ball in Hall's way and they have the roster in which all Teddy Bridgewater needs to do is get the ball into these guys' hands. And if they do that with that defense, that's another de threat to um, Kansas City. The Raiders is another threat to Kansas City. They was a threat to them last year, right? And I think they got better overall. It may not be the moves that everybody sit here and say, well, the Raiders is going to be an AMC contender. No, but they got better from last year with the additions on the defense. And obviously the guys who I think is going to break out this year at wide receiver and Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards. So I think the biggest threat to Kansas City, and I know I have the Bills beating Kansas City in the AFC Championship. Yeah, I do. I think a um, Kansas City is going to get through that threat of the AFC West, but they're still a threat. And I think they're the biggest threat to Kansas City right now. Yeah, so I think when my main uh, point from all of this is I think right now, when we look at the AFC, like we spent a lot of the offseason talking about just how good and just how deep of a conference this is. And I think yesterday, minus the AFC South, it really did live up to the hype. Like I was impressed with the Chargers. I was impressed uh, with the Broncos. I think Miami's defense made enough timely plays to win them that game against New England. That was a, an impressive effort. Uh, even the Steelers, man, like that was a, a that defense, man, that, that was an elite performance yesterday. Uh, shutting down Josh Allen. I think they deserve a lot of credit for that. And I think my main point is, even though I like Cleveland's talent and I like Cleveland's coaching ability a lot, and even though they beat Pittsburgh in a playoff game last year, I think the AFC as a unit minus Kansas City is just so close that after one week, I don't really know if we could just look at this conference and say like figuratively who the biggest threat is. I think all these teams are really close right now. Um, I, I The Chargers, man, like that's a team I was really impressed with. Like Brandon Staley knows how to coach elite talent with the Rams. He led that defense to being the best defense in the league last year. Now, Joey Bosa watching him yesterday. Oh my God, that was a, a phenomenal effort. He was able to get to the quarterback. Derwin James was back, balling out. Uh, the Chargers are a really talented team, man. And I do think if they were in another division, they would be a team that possibly could be getting some Super Bowl hype going into the season. Um, they are a really complete team. Obviously, their head coach coached their first game yesterday. We'll see how he develops as a head coach. But hey, it was a good start. He knows what he's doing, uh, coaching that defense in L.A. Uh, great road win. I feel like in years past, it's just not a game the Chargers as a team win. But maybe this is a sign towards a new era uh, over there in L.A. But once again, the AFC, I just wanted to make myself clear. It's a tough, deep conference. And I still don't have a great feel for it right now behind Kansas City. I really don't. I like the point that you made about the AFC in general. 
I think that there's a lot of teams that's worthy in that conversation to this debate on who is the biggest threat to Kansas City. Right? The Steelers could be a big threat to Kansas City, depending on what we see from Big Ben down the line when them hits at his age start to add up. If he can manage the game well and make some of the throws that we know him to make and, and take some of those hits, they're going to be a big threat because of the personnel on the defensive side of the ball, which we all saw stop the Bills in their tracks yesterday, right? But the reason why I keep referring back to the ABC West is because they have an advantage, the Chargers I'm talking about here, the Broncos and the Raiders, over all these other teams outside in the conference, which is they see the Chiefs twice a year, each year and each year out. So they know what the Chiefs like to do. The question now is can they stop the Chiefs? And we'll see this year. Yeah, I'm just pulling up really quickly when that uh, first Chiefs Charger game is because whenever that is, that's going to be uh, must-see TV. Chiefs Chargers, wow. Week three, uh, what is this? Uh, yeah, week three. Or no, that's the Vikings. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, so week six, seven. Week seven, Chiefs Chargers. Let's get it. Sign me up. So, boys, or Will, I'm sorry. Zay obviously isn't with us today. He will be back tomorrow. Obviously, miss our guy, Zay. Um, speaking of Zay, let's get right into his team, the Los Angeles Rams. Zay was really high on these Rams yesterday as Matthew Stafford and the Rams make his debut, and they defeat the Chicago Bears by a final score of 34-13. to 13. And really, we just wanted to have some quick-fire, rapid reactions to this one, Will. I'll start this one off. Um, I think Sean McVay is a star, man. Like, he is just an elite coach, and I think in a similar way to Kansas City, when you combine, like, Reed and Mahomes, like, elite coach with elite quarterback, that team is just so hard to beat. I do think that Matthew Stafford is an elite talent. Like, he went number one overall in his draft for a reason. He has a great arm, and I think he's a guy that is more motivated than ever before. I saw him at Calvin Johnson's Hall of Fame speech, and I thought to myself, Matthew Stafford must be thinking, like, if I put together a nice three, four-year run in L.A., maybe win a Super Bowl with Sean McVay, which is entirely possible with this team, uh, maybe Matthew Stafford could be sitting there in a gold jacket one day. And I do think that he had a great run in Detroit. Obviously, it didn't result to many wins. But Detroit is football purgatory, man. That is a place where no one, including Barry Sanders or Calvin Johnson, could win. And he goes from there to LA, a place where Sean McVay last year was out here winning games consistently with Jared Goff. Like that guy led Jared Goff to a Super Bowl. And when you consider the talent around the quarterback position with the Rams, uh, Cooper Cup balled out last night. Robert Woods had a phenomenal catch. I think Van Jefferson is a player to watch going forward. Uh, Daryl Henderson even, that was a great performance giving Ram fans some confidence at running back. Uh, and we know with Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey just how good that defense is. I mean, Jalen Ramsey, man, like he very slowly is reaching like peak Revis level. Like he is just phenomenal. So fun to watch. And I was just really impressed with the Rams, man. Like they, I talk about threats. Like I think they're the biggest threat to the Bucks in the NFC right now. I mean, they're a phenomenal team. They're well coached at one to 53. They have a lot of top end talent. And I may just think we're going to see it in week three. The Rams and the Bucks could be on a collision course to see who is uh, that top dog in the NFC. I can't wait for that game as the Bucks will head to LA. But I do think that Matthew Stafford sometimes will get the raw end of the stick as a quarterback that didn't win much in Detroit. And I totally understand it. I think if you're an elite quarterback, you should be able to elevate your team to at least one playoff win over the course of nine years, no matter who's on your team. 
But at the same time, I just think his situation right now in L.A. is so good that with his talent combined with McVay's coaching, it's going to be hard for them not to win. I was super impressed with the Rams. They looked like a real contender to me last night. They really did. Um, Zach, you talked about the Rams. Listen, I'm going to get to the Rams in a second. But I want to talk about the, the Bears here because it's very frustrating watching this Bears team. And it's to the point where I would rather go to the Bronx Zoo and watch two Bears thugging it out, slugging it out. That's what I would rather do than watch this Bears team. And the sad and frustrating part about that is that this Bears team has popcorn, sit on your couch, appeal. They got the spitty wide receivers that are great. They had the great running back in David Montgomery that was in his bag yesterday. They had Marquise um, Goodwin. They had Darnell Mooney that can get behind a defender like that, that gave Jalen Ramsey some trouble last year. They have those talented guys, Allen Robinson, the list goes on, commit. Jimmy Graham can win some ball-on-ball contested um, jumps, you know, here and there too. They have the talent and the popcorn on your couch appeal, and they have the quarterback to do it in Justin Fields to lead it. But we still get that stale, old-fashioned, hard-to-watch, lead-a-book offense, bro. Literally, <laughs> we get that all the time, and it's unfortunate that these cats is still on prime time. It's unbelievable. Listen, Andy Dalton is not the answer. He's really not. It was a lot of dink and dunk passes. It wasn't anything special. No explosiveness. I know my cousin, the Freddy System, shout out to him. He talked about explosiveness on the show and how he likes explosiveness. Well, cousin, did you watch that game last night, brother? Because I know, I know you didn't enjoy that game. No explosiveness, well, from the Rams side probably, but no explosiveness from the Bears side of things. There was a fourth and five, I believe, and Allen Rod- he throws to Allen Robinson, Andy Dalton here, contested Allen Robinson, right? A guy that was perfectly defended when you had commit streaming across the middle of the field wide open. You're tied in, fourth and five. No, he didn't see him, right? Stevie Wonder to the fact. Stevie Wonder to the wonder. It's unbelievable, man. And you see Justin Fields come in for some gadget plays. Zach, I'm going to use your favorite, your favorite line, your famous line. It's not 1999. Black quarterbacks are not gadget guys only. You know, Patrick Mahomes, the list goes on. The You know, Lamar, come on. He got to start, bro. The offensive line didn't play that bad compared to what we saw the last couple of games of the preseason, but they still was bad, right? They have to allow Justin Fields to command this offense and take this offense over and create more explosiveness because you have the personnel. As soon as Justin Fields get into the game, he's going to make this team a playoff contender. But for right now, they're not. As far as the Rams, and I'll just let you get the rock after this, They, I agree. They probably are the biggest threat to the, to the Buccaneers. They probably are. I didn't want to jump to the height, you know, to start. I kind of was hype on them over the summer. Then I lowered the pace down because I'm like, a new system, Matthew Stafford, is going to take time. But yesterday, I don't know if it was because the Bears' defense was so bad or because the Rams are so good. But something got to give. Something is the truth. It's out of the Rams are that good when Matthew Stafford, in which Sean McVay is seeming like he wants to open up his playbook and he's this great, you know, King Zulu of the nation, all right, in, in, in um, coaching, or it's the Bears' defense that lost Kyle Fuller that literally had Cooper Cup streaming wide open. You know, it's one of the two. But either either here or there, I'm still going to give the Rams their due diligence and their respect in which they are one of the teams to look out for in this NFC race.
Well, the game last night aside, dude, like, what's your feeling on the McVay-Stafford combination? Do you think watching McVay uh, leading the team over the last couple of years, like, we kind of know what Jared Goff is at this point. He's an all right quarterback when he has help around him. But McVay was able to get to a Super Bowl with that guy. And I think anyone who watches football could see, like, Matthew Stafford from a just talent perspective is a bigger upgrade over Jared Goff. So when you combine that with the talent around this Rams roster, like, naturally, like, how, how do you feel about this Rams team? I'm glad you throw me these lobs for these questions that I want to answer on the show. Great, you know, great question. I, I'll say it like this. When I looked at Jared Goff, right, and bear with me, Zach, I'm going to get to your point. When I looked at Jared Goff yesterday, he didn't look bad at all. You know, obviously, he made some mistakes, but he made some good. He did better than what I thought, right? He looked good. Now, you have Matthew Stafford, who obviously we all know is the talented quarterback out of the two between him and Jared Goff, and I guess they wanted that upgrade of talent and to open up the playbook a little bit more with some big plays down the field. And, I, you know, on paper, that makes you a lot better. However, talent is talent, right? And we all know talent is how you win, but is that talent enough for the Rams to be even better? Probably. Probably. Who knows? He might be the one that gets them to the hump. But like I said before, on previous shows that we did from last year when this move was made and like i said in the chat earlier today in the huddle chat that we got is that i don't know if matthew stafford has the experience in the playoffs and the leadership in the playoffs to go zero and three in his playoff career and then all of a sudden be this super bowl winning quarterback i don't know he has the talent to do it but i'm not sure if he has the experience to do it so i think this team is going to be better than they were with Jared Goff. That I do. But I don't know if that means Super Bowl again. Because even though they made the Super Bowl with Jared Goff, that's not how inflation works. The league gets better. So you're not competing against yourself. You're not looking yourself in the mirror and saying, if I be better than myself that year, I'm going to be a Super Bowl champion. It don't work like that. The other teams have gotten better all across the league. So even though Matthew Stafford is an upgrade, and I will co-sign that, and this offense is going to be more dynamic with Matthew Stafford at the helm, that doesn't ring Super Bowl. It could, but it's not guaranteed. Yeah, well, so last year specifically, right, when I watched this Rams team, I looked at their defense and I said, okay, that's Super Bowl good. I looked at their head coach and I said, okay, he's good enough to win the Super Bowl. He's an elite head coach. And I looked at their offense as a whole minus the quarterback position. And I said, all right, this offense is good enough. And then they had that playoff game against the Packers where they were in that game, by the way, that their defense did as good of a job as anyone to at least attempt to slow down that Packers offense. But it was clear that their quarterback just wasn't good enough. They were just a quarterback away. And I totally understand what you mean. Matthew Stafford has never won a playoff game in his career, but I think long-term, Matthew Stafford still has some good years left, man. Like, he's about 30, 31 years old. Like, he could still play. He could still sling it. I do think that this was a move the Rams had to make, even though they had to give up an extra first-round pick to give up Jared Goff, because the upgrade of talent at that quarterback position is just so big. We just mentioned it with the Chiefs and the Browns game. Like, Baker Mayfield, he clearly wasn't a quarterback yesterday that was good enough to make the timely throws and the timely moments. Matthew Stafford has made those throws. He's had plenty of game-winning drives 
in Detroit. And I think now with a clearly better situation around him, I understand he has to win some playoff games, but man, it's really hard not to be super excited about this Rams team. To be honest, Will, if Cam Akers doesn't get hurt, I'm probably picking them to win the Super Bowl in the preseason. That injury just scared me away from them. I still pick them to win the West, but watching Daryl Henderson yesterday, and I think Sony Michelle could be a decent option in the backfield. Their offensive line played well. There is just so much talent on this team, and I just loved their camaraderie. And early in the game, like Andy Dalton actually had a good drive, and then turnover two plays later, Stafford bombed to Van Jefferson. I just, with that new stadium and the fans in the crowd, like both football teams in LA, man, I can't wait to see what that Charger crowd looks like next week against the Cowboys when they have their home opener. I think LA could be a, a, a place where football is looking good right now. I'm, I'm excited about this Rams team. Everything you said was was correct. I mean, we all know Matthew Stafford to be Mr. Fourth Quarter. That's kind of his name. He arrives in the fourth quarter of game. So in crunch time situations, I'm not going to sit here and say I don't think Matthew Stafford could do it. He probably can. But the thing about what makes this interesting about this Rams team is that a lot of people want to go all in with the Rams and, and so they can be the one to say, I told you. There you go. I predicted it. It was Matthew Stafford, and I'm just not that guy. I admit they're talented. They probably could do it. But I'm not going to jump the gun here because I still want to see how he goes up against these great teams and these great quarterbacks in this division. That NFC North was totally different going up against the Vikings. Obviously, we all know the Packers. And he lost the, to the Packers a lot. But going to the Vikings and, and the Bears, those are not teams that scare you. This Cardinals and Seahawks and 49ers team, they're scary looking right now. So I, let's, you know, yeah, obviously give Sean McVay his credit. Give put some respect on Matthew Stafford's name. He's it's well deserved. But let's see him in this division and how he thugs it out with the level of competition stiffening up from where he was in the NFC North. So if he can show that he can beat these quarterbacks during the regular season, well, why not? Why not? You know, why can't they go to a championship, right? We all know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers is lethal and explosive, but why not? You know, they have the defense. They have a better defense than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Why not? Yeah, it's a real opportunity for the Rams. No doubt about that. I wanted to speak about the Bears a little bit before we move on. Um, I agree with you with the point with Justin Fields. I think that Matt Nagy just probably didn't want to start him in that game last night on Sunday Night Football in front of that offensive line. It would have just been a tough spot. But at the same time, like... I just think when it comes to the, the youngsters at the quarterback position, you need to give yourself as much time and as much film and as much evidence as you possibly can to make an appropriate judgment on these quarterbacks. And I do think that Justin Fields, if the Bears struggle next week at home against the Bengals, no matter who is under center, Andy Dalton or Justin Fields, like that is a game the Bears should absolutely win at home. If Andy Dalton isn't getting the job done, I wouldn't be shocked to see Justin Fields come in. It was just that bad last night. Dalton threw one ball more than 15 yards and it was intercepted. I understand the Rams defense is really good. It was a tough spot. But once again, like watching some of these quarterbacks yesterday, like Kyler Murray and even Zach Wilson, like I know he got hit a couple times, but like he made some really nice throws. Um, like they were just 
quarter young quarterbacks dropping dimes yesterday and it was hard to watch Andy Dalton in that Sunday night game especially when you saw Matthew Stafford uh on that other sideline just airing the ball downfield and this Bears team man like I don't think their front office really knows what they're doing I don't really like the way they're handling this quarterback situation obviously and as you said they have some talent on this team like there's no reason for them to be that bad like they were even though the game was 13 to 7 last night at halftime there was never a moment where I expected the Bears to win this game last night and let's see what happens next week against the Bengals because the NFC North was a disaster yesterday. All four teams lost. So, hey, the division's wide open. Maybe that's a sign. Once again, if you're the Bears, beat the Bengals next week at home. If you don't, you could be in big trouble. If you're management, when do you buzz down to Matt Nagy? Because Matt Nagy is starting to nag me, right? Matt Nagy is starting to nag me, and I'm not liking it. When, if you're management, when do you buzz down and say, Matt Nagy, get Justin Fields, in the game right now and get that trash out of there when, when, when do you buzz down do you that's what i'm saying because you don't want to be too far out from the playoff race and if you're the bears you're not rebuilding you don't have the roster of a rebuilding team when i look at this roster on both sides of the ball i mean except the cornerbacks in the secondary a little bit which show that they need a little bit work this is still a championship level squad so you should be wanting to win a championship this year not no rebuilding. No, you don't have a rebuilding roster. So if you're ownership, when do you buzz down and say, Matt Nagy, put Justin Fields in the game. Allow him to make some mistakes early. He's a freshman, a rookie in the NFL, rookie terms here. Allow him to make the mistakes, but allow this offense to move better. Allow the offense to fit with the modern day. Once again, Zach, it's not 1999, brother. It's 2021, right? Allow this offense to show some more juice and explosiveness to complement a defense that's been holding it down for the last couple of years. It's almost like somebody paying for you financially for everything. I'm holding it down, right? Chris Brown, August S. Lena, I hold you down. The Bears have been holding, I can't sing y'all. The Bears have been holding, the Bears defense has been holding the offense down these last couple of years. Pay them back, brother, with some explosiveness, being able to stay on the field. Being able to have a quarterback that can create, that can move with his legs and, and allow his receivers to buy some time to get open. They need to do that, man. Listen, if you're Andy Dalton, bro, if you love this franchise, you got to go to Matt Nagy yourself and say, listen, I can't do it. Let Justin Fields get in the game. I know it's his time, he says, right? It's my time. But if your time is not the timing that the Bears need to be on. Yeah, and I think what makes the game last night so frustrating is they had Justin Fields in for some of those gizmo gadget plays, and they didn't even ask him to do much there. Like, they were just having him, like, flip the ball off to a running back. Like, like I, I just think that this guy, he had a nice touchdown run. Like, I think his speed and elusiveness was shown uh, on that play. Uh, I think this kid is super talented. I think he has a big-time arm. He's very fast, very quick, very athletic. And just based on today's modern-day NFL terms, like, I just don't know how you could have Andy Dalton, who we know isn't mobile. He doesn't have a super cannon arm. Um, one question to end this segment, Lil, like when do we see Justin Fields? I'm going to predict within the first four weeks, man. I don't think the Bears are going to have a choice. I, I can say around week three, week four, we see Justin Fields. But that's only if Matt Nagy is not going to continue to be hard-headed. I can never say in my mind or predict when a hard-headed man is going to be unhard-headed. That's one of the hardest things to predict. So if he's going to continue to be hard-headed and say that um, Andy Dalton is our guy, that's our leader, that's our number one quarterback, which they were saying and had the nerve to think we were going to believe that, 
then all right, then you know I can't control that. But until he says, listen, I'm going to be unhard-headed and allow Justin Fields to be in the game, that should be around week three or week four. Yeah, I think now to be honest, but you know timetable. During the preseason, right, we obviously watched those two Bears games where we got a great view of Justin Fields and everything he was about. Like, bro, during those preseason games at Soldier Field, everyone there wanted to see Justin Fields, and they were making it known they were cheering it. Think about next week against the Cincinnati Bengals, the first game in a year with fans at Soldier Field in a game you absolutely have to win. Like, if Andy Dalton doesn't play well his first two or three drives next week, that stadium is going to be so loud asking for Justin Fields that as as hot-headed as Matt Nagy is, like, I don't know if he's going to have a choice at that point. I think that the more I watch this Bears team, like, he could pretend that he's all in control when it comes to the quarterback position. I'm not a thousand percent sure if him and Ryan Pace are on the same page I would I would hope they are when it comes to the GM and the quarterback if you're starting Andy Dalton like if Ryan if Ryan Pace wanted Justin Fields to play like I would hope he would let it be known to the head coach so I would assume they're on the same page and with still with that being said like next week against the Bengals like that's a game you have to win and if Andy Dalton is not getting the job done like I'm just not sure if Nagy's going to have a choice uh, but to go to Justin Fields. But once again, we're on the same page, man. The Bears should not be this bad. They were not competitive last night, and I get it. The Rams are a really good team, but they just didn't show me anything to be excited about, minus David Montgomery. Watch out for Van Jefferson. You partially alluded to it in your opening take. Van Jefferson is going to be a problem alongside the weapons that, you know, Matthew Stafford has at his disposal. Watch out for these guys. And I want to see how Sony Michelle fits the next couple of weeks. I know he only had like one or two snaps yesterday. He's trying to get involved and learn the offense and get the offense down packed because he was obviously just signed a couple days ago. But um, let's see how he gets incorporated into into the offense and well, dude, if they have um, a one and back by committee type of system. Yeah, I mean, were you? I was really impressed with Henderson last night. I think he looked really good, and, and that's a great sign for the Rams having a, the one back that's experienced uh, with this offense. I think he's a huge key to this Rams team. I really do. Yeah, and let's see if he can handle it for seventeen games. You know, a lot of things that we're going to talk about, a lot of stuff that we're going to talk about, gotta remind ourselves that it's seventeen weeks now. So let's see if he can handle. And, and if um, Sony Michelle can help him out there for 17 games, I think so. But um, still, you don't want to lose Cam Makers, man. And that's still a big loss to this team. I could just imagine Cam Makers on this roster with Matthew Stafford in this defense. I mean, that's, you know, but it can be, you know, Super Bowl it's, running yeah. backs. We know the history. You don't have to be LT in his prime or AP in his prime. So the Rams are good. They're good. Yeah, and once again, like as once again, the Acres injury sucks, but I make this point all the time when it comes to drafting running backs. Like, it is not impossibly hard to find a, a good running back. Like, there have been so many running backs in this league that have been productive and that have been good players that have just came off the street. Like, legitimately, Malcolm Brown. Yeah, who, Malcolm who, Brown was on his team, you know? Who's the kid on, on, on the nine? Elijah Mitchell? Like, has anyone That's heard of this one. kid and he just balled yesterday? Like, when it comes to running back position, like if you have a good eye for town, like you could find uh, some good running backs in the league. And uh, once again, Henderson balled out last night. I think he's uh, a huge key to the Rams. Let's move on to another battle yesterday between two NFC teams as the New Orleans Saints make a statement blowing the Green Bay Packers out with a 38-3 to win. On defense, I think there was, uh, before that two-minute drive, we had 12 plays on offense. Um, they're up 17 nothing. And we go down, and you're feeling good getting three points to make it a two-possession game. And then 
you start out the, the second half and you, you move the ball and you get down there and, you know, we have the turnover. So you can't do that. And then it just snowballs. And we obviously didn't get, uh, I don't even know how many stops we had um, of their offense the entire day. So it was just uh, all around poor performance. That starts with myself. Obviously didn't get uh, these guys ready to play. You don't know if we ever bury and dismiss even when we'd like to. Uh, we'll you know, evaluate the film like we always do and, and be critical. And then move on. What happened? You guys were in such a good rhythm all summer mm -hmm. in practice, and you saw it every day. I guess I was pretty stunned that this was the way it went. Were you? Yeah, you know, when a team's going to play that much two shell, uh, you got to be able to run the ball. And, you know, we didn't run it that effectively. Uh, I think we came in thinking they're going to pressure us a bunch, like they did last time. But last time, you know, we had. Uh, Allen, MVS, and Swerve. And this time, you know, we had some different uh, skill guys, obviously Devontae being back. So they really didn't pressure us a whole lot. Um, it was a lot of, uh, of two-show. And they kind of held up with their front, uh, front four, front six. Jameis Winston, in his Saints uh not a Saints debut, actually, his first full year as a starter in New Orleans, there was five touchdowns. And the question we have on the table here today is should we be more impressed with the Saints or more disappointed uh, in the Packers? Uh, I'll start this one off, Lil. I mean, look, I wanted to give Jameis Winston a lot of credit. I think he looked in shape yesterday. I think he looked locked in. He made all the throws. I think he played a great game. But the bottom line is this. The Green Bay Packers didn't show up yesterday. They didn't come ready to play, and that was an embarrassing effort. Like, that just cannot happen. And I totally understand. The game was in Jacksonville. It was tough circumstances. That uh, You expected the game to be in New Orleans to start. But you knew this game was going to be in Jacksonville for about two weeks now. And the Packers just flat out didn't show up. They looked so flat. They looked unprepared, which is, in my opinion, the worst insult to give to a football team that you just came unprepared and didn't come ready to play and the saints we knew they lost a lot but this is still a talented team like their offensive line is really good their defense is really good Jameis made all the throws yesterday alvin Kamara looked good like this is still sean payton and the saints this is not a team that you just go in against expecting to win and not by not preparing and not working hard like the packers just thought they were going to go out on the field yesterday and blow them out and the saints literally just punched them in the mouth aaron Rodgers didn't play well it was one of his worst games as a packer like he just threw so many costly interceptions so many timely turnovers and the saints took advantage of it they looked prepared they looked like the better team and look it's one week i you know the week one overreactions they happened last year the buccaneers lost to the saints what 38 to 3 also to start off the season we know how their season ended up but at the same time like it's obviously not an encouraging sign to go into a game that you probably should have won and just getting blown out like that's not good that like matt lafleur is a coach that is known for winning regular season games and i I, I still can't believe what happened. Like, I don't know what I watched. Uh, once again, credit to Jameis Winston uh, that he played great. Traquan Smith got hurt. He got some new weapons involved. Uh, the Saints offensive line is a very undervalued unit between Ramchak, Armstead, Ruiz. Like, they got some dogs on that line that could really block. Lattimore was hurt, and it didn't even matter. Devontae Adams was shut down. Um, and once again, like, what is, what is Packer management thinking watching this game? Are they going to trade Aaron Rodgers now? I'm kidding. But still, like, at the same time, like, I, that's such a disappointing effort, man. And, like, I just hope the Packers realize that if they come into games unprepared, no matter who they're playing, that's going to happen. And that was just embarrassing. I think I am absolutely more disappointed in the Packers.
I'm not disappointed in the Packers because I know what they're about, but I'm going to get to that in a few seconds, in a few minutes. I'm going to start off with why I'm so impressed with the Saints. And it's more of not that I'm surprised because I predicted this. Not the blowout, but, you know, I predicted both it. Jameis Winston. Yeah, I, I, we both predicted the game. We both predicted that neutral site. That was going to go to the Saints. I didn't predict in this fashion, number one. And I didn't predict that um, Jameis Winston. Yeah, I kind of did. I got to give myself credit. Little Shadamas again on the mic. I did predict that Jameis Winston was going to have a better year. Or should I say one of the offense better than Drew Brees. And I got a lot of flack for that. I got a lot of flack for that. People was like, yo, Lil, what are you talking about? This is a Hall of Famer. And even though I made myself clear, once people heard the words that came out of my mouth about Drew Brees, they thought I was trying to be disrespectful to a Hall of Famer. Never in my life would I be disrespectful to a Hall of Famer. Especially Drew Brees and what he meant to that city. But when I said that Jameis Winston was going to run this offense better, it's because of his ability to push the ball down the field, which allows Sean Payton, a great play caller, a great schemer, to be able to open up his playbook even more. And it's going to look even greater with the team that they had, especially when Drew Brees was holding that team back sometimes in the playoffs. Let's call it what it is. So, yeah. But the reason why I'm even more impressed with the Saints, with that being said, is because even though we all know Sean Payton to have his guys ready under any circumstances, the fact that he does it again and again is even more impressive every time. Think about it. You know, you lose a Hall of Famer in Drew Brees, right, that I just mentioned. You know, most teams, they will crumble under that. Look at the Patriots, you know, the last year with Cam Newton after losing Tom Brady, right? But you lose a Hall of Famer, right? You, you take a quarterback that threw 30 interceptions, number two, and you basically have to play at a neutral site and still dealing with the hurricane and everything. And once again, you have your team ready to play. He does it time and time again, and each time he does it is even more impressive. Now, with the Packers, I'm not disappointed. I'm not. Time and time again, once they get punched in the mouth, they show that they are not ready for the moment. And Zach, kudos to you, brother. For having the fate, but I'm gonna get to that in a minute. For having the fate to say this team is gonna win or get to the Super Bowl, we'll get to that in a second. But once again, every time they get punched in the mouth, 49ers punching them out, Buccaneers punching them out, Saints, great team in the trenches, both sides of the ball, punching them out. Once they get down, the game is a wrap. We see it time and time again. Once they get down, the game is a wrap. Once I saw they was down a couple couple points, I'm like, this game is over. I wasn't surprised because they show it all time and time again. The defense which obviously was the biggest question going into the season that I thought was possibly going to get better, I thought. But once again, you know what we saw in the NFC Championship game, blown coverages, King, he allowed, you know, um, Chris Hogan to get back in, in the back of the end zone. You know, Chris Hogan? You know, he had been playing a couple years. Also, there was another guy, um, Jawan Johnson. There we go. Jawan Johnson, I had to look him up. I don't know him. The Packers lost Jawan Johnson in the red zone. A lot of easy pitch and catch for Jameis Winston. This is the same defense that gave up, you know, the Scotty Miller play. Hail Mary at the end of the game. King missed time in his jump. If this defense is going to play like that and not improve, how can we ever have faith in this team? That's one dynamic to look at it. The Aaron Rodgers, the last dance. Well, this probably is the last dance in, in, in truth, right? He probably meant what he said. It was the last dance. He showed no effort. There was a play where he lobbed it up deep down the field to Devontae Adams, and 
it was not, not even close. It was almost like you take a snap as a quarterback and you kick it. You know, there's a couple quarterbacks that did that. It was almost like that. Like he was just trying to change the field position. You know, it was just unreal. The, the lacks of days coolness of Aaron Rodgers. He's mad passive aggressive, right? And, and that's one thing. He's not a leader. This team, once again, gives up big plays. And once they play against the elite squads, they always seem to get punched in the mouth and they can't do nothing about it. That's why I never had faith in this team from the get-go. The only reason why I had them making the playoffs is because of the division, and I said it before. I'm on the record. The mathematics win the easiest division in football, one of the easiest divisions in football, get to the playoffs, win a home game, get in the NFC Championship game. Because of the math that's on this package side is the reason why I'm not going to call their season over. But if they're going to continue to play like this, their season is over and it's a wrap. Aaron Rodgers is done. But, Zach, I'm going to defer it to you. I have a question for you. You picked this, you know, Packers team to make the Super Bowl. They lost week one, game one. You know, Aaron Rodgers said it. One game, but they lost in, in, a, in a big fashion. Does this alternate your prediction or is it right on cue with what you already predicted? Because you did pick the Saints to win. So is, is it right on cue or does the, the magnitude of the way how they lost kind of alters your opinion? So, yeah, that's it's a great question. Um, I think I picked the Saints to win yesterday just because... In a neutral site game like this, like there were just a lot of weird things I expected to go on. It's obviously not a, a normal game. Like they're in Jacksonville and they're Saints painted in the end zone. They're Saints things on the scoreboard. Meanwhile, the whole building sounded like it was a Packer home game. So it was a very weird game with some odd circumstances. But with that being said, man, like the Packers just didn't show up yesterday. And that's what I'm disappointed in the most. Like I wouldn't even say they got punched in the mouth. Like they didn't even like they ran out of the ring before the punch was thrown and never came back in. Like. And I think when we look at Green Bay, like, obviously, it's very hard for me to sit on the show right now and say I have more confidence in Green Bay over a Tampa Bay over or a Ram team, plenty of other good teams in the NFC. But at the same time, I didn't expect this Packer run to be easy. Like, I, you you know, I picked the Bucks to be the one seed in the NFC. I picked the Rams team uh, to be the two seed in the NFC. Uh, this is a Packer team with a tough schedule. I was just hoping that by the time the season ended, uh, they would all be on the right page. They all be clicking and ready to go. But with that being said, I just didn't expect them to just not show up yesterday. Like, once again, if the Saints would have won in somewhat of a close game, like, fine. That's basically what I expected to happen. But when we look at Green Bay... I just had too much faith in the quarterback going into the season. What he was able to do last year, it was one of the best seasons I've ever seen by a quarterback. And obviously, after everything that went down in the offseason, I don't know, maybe I was just a victim for the, the, the Hollywood script and everything uh, turning out well. But at the same time, I agree with you. I think the NFC North is still their division to win. They have a big Monday night game against Detroit uh, next Monday night. Hopefully they win that. If they lose that game, then I guess we'll start having uh, different conversations. That's obviously a, a must-win game. But I just want to see Aaron Rodgers go on the field and not let that happen again. He's too good of a player to be getting blown out 38-3 to by anyone. Like, we saw Jordan Love yesterday. Like, what was that? Like, I don't think anyone was really expecting that to happen. Um, I The Saints they played really well man like Sean Payton outcoached Matt LaFleur by circles he did a great job um and the Saints are still a really talented team Green Bay was missing Bakhtiari also I think that's a huge loss that's a guy they need to get back the Saints defensive line 
played phenomenal yesterday. Like they really were able to, to take advantage of the Saints offensive line or of the Packers offensive line, I should say. And my last thought about this Packer team is like, if you're their front office after everything that went down uh, during this off season, like I, I'm curious how they're feeling because they are probably a little salty that they had to give in to Aaron Rodgers. Like they probably ended up realizing that he it was the best thing for their franchise for him to come back and play one more season, even if him and Brian Gutekunst don't get along. But like that's obviously not a great sign to the season after Aaron Rodgers was really talking a lot about this offseason, about him possibly retiring, him not being fully invested in football. And you go out there yesterday and your season is not off to a great start. It obviously is one game. It's week one. I'm not going to fully panic. I still believe in Aaron Rodgers. I still believe in Matt LaFleur as a coach. But once again, like that is I, it, it's definitely a stomachache that's going to stay with me for a long time when it comes to this Packer team. And I just want to see them prove it in big games against big teams. Like last year, they were a really good team. Like I really did think they were the best team in football last year. Like the Buccaneers won the NFC Championship game. They won the Super Bowl. They do deserve credit for that. But the Packers team was so good last year, and they really choked that NFC Championship game away. I expected them to come out more motivated and more ready to play yesterday, and unfortunately, they couldn't get the job done. That was just a pathetic effort. It really was. I mean, like I said before, we see the history with this Packers team when they go up against great teams. I just basically went last year. I talked about last year and the year before. But go deeper. Go back in the day. The Falcons in that NFC Championship game just ran through that team. They stood no shot, right? The the playoff losses that they lost when they played the Cardinals in the Dome and the, 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 the spectacular plays and the catches, they always seem to can't get over the hump against great, superb, offensive teams that's good in the trenches as well. So that's why I cannot trust this team at all. Like I said, I'm not pushing the panic button as far as they're making the playoffs now. They're in the easiest conference in football. They will make the playoffs. They possibly may have a home playoff game, whether it's the wild card or not, right? But at the same time, they should not be thinking about that. They they made two NFC Championship games. They want to win a Super Bowl, and I don't think they can. I really don't. I don't see them beating Tampa Bay. I don't see them. I think the Cowboys get them a one for their money, for crying out loud. You know, so this team has a lot of work to do. But Zach, I hear you mentioning the neutral site and that sort. Obviously, they played in a neutral site. So it's worthy of mentioning neutral site because the game was played on a neutral site. But shouldn't that mean we get to see who really is the best team on that field? You know, both had to adjust. The Packers had to adjust. But they was going on the road anyway. The Saints had to adjust the most because they were supposed to play at home and have that home court advantage that they lost. Because the Packers showed up in that with a crowd at that game. So the Packers had the advantage, in my opinion. But nevertheless, it's a neutral site. The best team should win on a neutral site. And that best team was the Saints. And they showed that they're the better team than the Packers right now. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, that game could have been played at Lambeau. The Packers just didn't get off the bus. Like, I, I don't care where the game was played. Like, And, and, that, and that's the thing that I, I, you know, I'm not trying to disrespect the Packers outright. I have a lot of respect for Aaron Rodgers, anybody would that loves the game of football because of what he does. But it seemed to me that a lot of people hide over or hide under that home court advantage, the frozen tundra that they have. Anytime I heard people predict who was going to the Super Bowl, oh, it's because the Packers are playing in the cold and, and the geographical element of that and the snow. And you can't hide behind that for long because a team is going to come there ready to play if you played it. But if you're not playing there, you're going to have to go on the road and beat these good teams. They're always hiding behind 
Lambo, right? But this is football, man. It's football, baby. It's football. Right. I mean, even last year, like they had the home field advantage and they couldn't get the job done. And that's what makes it scary is like you lose this game. And I think the Packers are a team that like they even though Lambeau may not be the advantage that everyone thinks it is like they still may it still may be their best shot to get to a Super Bowl, like winning at home against Lambeau in Lambeau. That's going to be easier for them to win uh, opposed like on the road in Tampa Bay or in at SoFi Stadium against the Rams. So like that's the other thing, like home field advantage may be their best shot getting to a Super Bowl last year they had it and they couldn't do it like I don't know man it's up to Aaron Rodgers like I like overall what do you think of this roster around him though like the game yesterday aside like I know you were very high on the kid Savage who had a nice interception yesterday uh their defense has some names like Alexander's a stud uh obviously they bring in Randall Cobb uh the uh, the kid the receiver from Clemson also Amari Rodgers like they have I think they're improved talent wise from last year's team like overall what are your thoughts on the Packers like in order for them to get back to being one of the better teams in the league like do you think it's all Aaron Rodgers do you think they should rely on the running game their defense has to get better like overall what are your vibes on this Packer team around Rodgers it's a couple things we can start with Aaron Rodgers we all know he's talented but I, I just don't think he has the leadership right and a lot of people like to compare him to Tom Brady people went the extra mile it's saying Aaron Rodgers was better at Tom Brady at points, you know, still probably think he is, right? Which is cool. Talented-wise, he's right up there with Tom Brady. You know, you can argue who's better. Aaron Rodgers throws a, a perfect deep ball, you know. Brady throws an accurate deep ball, but Rodgers, you know, he can chuck it up. He can chuck it 60 yards. He has the arm strength to do that. But at the same time, and that goes back to the point that I told you about with Matthew Stafford, talent is good. That's an upgrade, right? But leadership, what am I getting from you as a leader? And I, I just never thought of Aaron Rodgers in that asset, right? In that facet, you know, being a leader that, yeah, I have the talent, but also I can lead my guys. It's always self-oriented when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. What he did by holding out, that wasn't leadership. When he held out and allowed his team to play with Jordan Love and thinking Jordan Love was going to take snaps in week one, that messes up a, a, a program when you could be getting all those reps in with your teammates and getting ready to go that you know that's messing up the program so once again Rodgers is not a leader and I think to win championships to beat a guy like Tom Brady you need leadership from your quarterback and I just don't think that he has it you know even in that NFC championship game when he lost sat on his bench right by himself by himself right you know it's, it's not about you Aaron Rodgers yeah you're the best player on this team by far but it's not about you and if he can't get out of that mode right then they're not going nowhere one of the defensive side of the ball i already basically touched on it they are a lot of blown coverages and it's crazy because they have the talent as far as the names jaya alexander donnell savage that's the guy i had on my breakout list right i'm thinking he gonna have a breakout year he did have an interception um but it's like they have the names but i guess it's the defensive coordinator and how they got a new is. one dude mike Patton's out the door like they got a new guy and he still, he still didn't show up yesterday yeah, so yeah, they have two. They have that side of the board they got to worry about. Obviously, David Bakhtiari being out does not help, especially when you're going up against a lethal Saints pass rush. You know, I see the same thing with Aaron Rodgers in the Packers every year, and it's just another walk at the ballpark for me when it comes to them.
All right. So, Lil, those were our main segments for today's show. Before we get out of here, though, we wanted to get to some in the huddle news. So a couple quick points to get to before uh, we get out of here. And without further ado, let's get to it. Breaking news. Ryan Fitzpatrick, the quarterback of the Washington football team, has been placed on IR as he is expected to miss multiple weeks with his hip injury. And when it comes to that, Lil, um, what, what are we thinking about Washington and their quarterback situation? Um I think yesterday, Taylor Heineke did a decent job. I think he came in, played well. I think the main reason why Washington lost that game wasn't him. It was because Justin Herbert was on the other sideline and he was just making a timely throw after timely throw. When it comes to Ryan Fitzpatrick, I totally understand that he had a really good season last year and he came off the bench in some big time spots and was able to get the job done for Miami. But Fitz has never been a quarterback that has started a full 16 games and has gotten the job done. And I think when it comes to Washington, uh, they decided to bring back Taylor Heineke because they saw what this kid was able to do in the playoff game against Tampa Bay. He was able to give the Buccaneers as good of a shot as anyone in those playoffs. I'm talking about over Drew Brees, over Aaron Rodgers, over Patrick Mahomes. Like Taylor Heineke was, he gave the Buccaneers the best shot of anyone in that playoff game. And I think Washington believes in him. Like I totally would have understood uh, before the season started if Heineke beat out Fitzpatrick for that job and he won it. Like I would have had no problem with them starting him. I think you could have made an argument that he could have been the starter. Uh, I think this kid could play. And I think Ron Rivera believes in him. He's familiar with the system. I think Washington should roll with Taylor Heineke. I really do. Well, you know, I I know Zay wanted to talk about Washington and and probably have a debate on tomorrow's show about if they should call Cam Newton or not. So I'm going to save my thoughts on the Taylor Heineke situation until tomorrow. But what I would say about Ryan Fitzpatrick in that situation is that, you know, I think it kind of alters the way how I look at the NFC East when I saw how good the Cowboys played yesterday as far as offensively um, not having Ryan Fitzpatrick was a big part on why I thought this team was going to take that next level because of his you know ability not only to push the ball we saw Taylor Haneke made a nice throw to Terry McLaurin you know that was just getting that ball down there Terry McLaurin credit the catch that was an even better catch but at the same time the, the experience that Ryan Fitzpatrick had is second to none. Taylor Heineke doesn't have that experience. You know, that might alter the way how I feel about this Washington football team, depending on how quick he gets back. He may get back or not. But even if he does get back, like I said before, and I kept mentioning it, I never saw that chemistry with this new team. This is a, a brand new system that Ryan Fitzpatrick has never played in, right? It's a very different system on the Washington football team. And he hasn't really got that chemistry down pack. Down pack. Now he gets hurt. So even when he comes back, the chemistry still got to be developed. So I just don't know how to feel about that quarterback situation. Obviously, we could get more into it tomorrow on tomorrow's show. But at the same time, you know, it doesn't help when you have your leader, your veteran hurt. Yeah, I mean, Fitzpatrick is just one of the more complicated players in the NFL. And once again, like, I don't think Washington played bad yesterday. Gibson had the costly fumble, which was brutal. I, that could have cost him the game. And Justin Herbert was the better quarterback. He just made the, all the better throws and he played really well. And when it comes to Washington and comparing them to Dallas and the NFC East, like, I get it. Like, 
roster aside, Dallas has the better quarterback who can make timely throws. No, we saw yesterday, like the Chargers offensive line played really well. They limited Washington's defense. And when Washington needed their quarterback to make the one big play and make the one big throw, unfortunately, they weren't able to get the job done. And look, Washington is such a fascinating case study because we all agree, like their defense is really good. Their coach is really good. But their quarterback is a question mark right now. And no matter who's under center, Fitzpatrick or Heineke, that's going to be something that if they want to win games and they want to be taken seriously uh, in the NFC, they're going to need a quarterback to make plays. And um, they have a huge game coming up Thursday night against the Giants at home. Taylor Heineke most likely is going to start. I think a lot will be said uh, for his case after that Thursday night game against the Giants, after watching the Giants yesterday. like That's a game Washington has to win at home on Thursday night football. So uh, we'll see how that ends up going. But Washington, man, that was a, a fascinating game yesterday on both sides of the it ball was. between them and the Chargers. Another game, Will. I've been looking forward to talk about this all show. The Houston Texans, man. What a statement when they get the job done over the Jacksonville Jaguars, 37-21. And Tyrod Taylor was quoted after the game saying, it means everything to me uh, to be named the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans. Uh, Will, I'll throw this over to you to start it off. You're watching the Jags and the Texans yesterday. You're seeing Tyrod Taylor ball out, have one of the better games of his career. What came to mind for you? Tyrod Taylor. Is the truth, ladies and gentlemen. He played like it yesterday. Wow. So there's a couple things that go into this topic and his statement. You know, talking about it means everything to me. To perform like I did yesterday, speaking in his words, perform like I did yesterday and putting up a great performance. Let's look at the dynamics of this situation with Tywar Taylor. This is a guy that's like a journeyman, bounced around Bills, I believe, um, Chargers, Browns. Now, Texans, this is a journeyman. First of all, I kind of have some mutual connection with the guy that he probably don't even know about because he's from Hampton, Virginia, if I'm not mistaken. I could be wrong. He played in Hampton High School. My aunt and uncle know about him. But, um, or, you know, I think, yeah, something like that. But at the same time, when you bounced around like that and last year you get your lungs punctured by a doctor who made a mistake and that basically lost you that job. You didn't lose the job outright. You didn't go out there and perform bad and, and Justin Herbert was like, you know, you're going out there now because Tywar Taylor can't command the offense. You basically got your job lost by an error from another human being that should have got his job done correctly. And that cost you a job. So when everybody's talking about the Texans and how bad this Texans team is going to be, including myself, right? I only had to win in one game, I believe. The disrespect, Lil. I guess they're going 0-16 from here because they won yesterday. But when everybody is calling them this bad team and the noise is around the Sean Watson and the allegations with the Sean, you have a quarterback that's out here motivated because he didn't outrightly lost his job last year and he's trying to show that he's still a quarterback in this league, a starting quarterback in this league and not just a game manager, which he gets that label tag to him. Of course, it means everything to that guy. And that's why he showed it out there on the football field, playing one of the best games I've ever seen him play, to be honest with you. Yeah, I wanted to give credit to the Texans. They showed up yesterday. They really just wanted it more than the Jaguars. Like, they played harder. Props to Tyrod Taylor. I mean, I didn't know going into the season if he could be an NFL starting quarterback that could win games. To be honest, after one game, like, I'm still not 100% sure. But he played really well yesterday, and he deserves credit for that. That was a great effort. Houston was clearly the better team. And we'll see what he could do with this job going forward. It's his job, really. There's no one really else on that Texan roster. So if he really wants that job, and if he could prove that he's a good 
good enough starting quarterback. And if he could somehow win games with this Texan team, like he's going to get the credit he deserves and the opportunity is right in front of him. And I'm happy for him that he's going to get that opportunity. With that being said, my main takeaway from this game was the absolute dumpster fire the Jacksonville Jaguars are. I can't, Will, I'm not kidding when I say this, dude. Like USC got blown out by Stanford on Saturday night in a game they really should have won. I think Clay Helton's a, is going to get fired sooner rather than later. Would you really be shocked if this guy just dips from the Jaguars after one season and goes to USC? No one cares about the Jaguars. I don't think he's going to get any flack for it. Like this guy's body language was terrible yesterday. And when you have a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, like this was literally the first game ever in his life in the regular season that Trevor Lawrence has lost. And like, if you're the Jaguars, like, you said it, bro. You predicted the Texans to go one in sixteen. Like, you, they didn't, not only did they lose, they got blown out. They got run out of the building. And even with Trevor Lawrence, like that was just such a pathetic effort from the Jaguars. And if they're this bad, they're getting out by seventeen to the Houston Texans. Like, that's a problem. And Urban Meyer, like I was skeptical of the hire from the beginning, and he's one of the best college coaches I've ever seen. But we both agree. We've spoken about it before, like talking to grown men, being a leader of 53 grown men in that locker room when some of them are making just as much, if not more money than you, like it's a totally different animal. Um, and the Jaguars, like there was a report that came out shortly before the game yesterday that there was already some trouble stirring up in that locker room when it comes to Urban Meyer and the way he's leading the team. Like was anyone shocked that the Texans blew out the Jaguars yesterday? I picked the Texans to win the game. I really wasn't at all. So when it comes to the Jacksonville Jaguars, like I think this team is in big, big trouble. The fact that they're getting blown out to the Texans. I mean, props to Tyrod. He played great, to be honest. I don't, I'm not expecting much from the Texans for the rest of the season. Tyrod played good, but like they go to Cleveland next week. I fully expect them to lose by more than a touchdown in that game. And, you know, they, that, that roster is not good. Like, and the Jaguars still got blown out, run out of the building. Like, I think Urban's a problem. And I think the Jaguars could be in deep trouble, man. I do. Um, Like I said one time on a show before, if you're Trevor Lawrence, bro, you got to put up Scotty. You got to pull off a Scotty. Maybe you should have went back to Clemson. You know, you probably would have won more games. Or not probably. You would have won more games than what you're going to win with the Jaguars, right? So, oh, man. But it is a point that came to my mind as you was talking. And it has to do with the hiring of Urban Meyer and the hiring of Mike McCarthy. And the reason why I'm trying to connect these two dots together, right, is because... I did get on the Cowboys for hiring Mike McCarthy. I still don't, you know, you know how we feel about Mike McCarthy. That's still not a great hire. The biggest con man in the NFL, baby. The biggest con man in the NFL, right? <laughs> and when we go back to that hire with the Cowboys, firstly, when you think about the Cowboys and them hiring um, Mike McCarthy, Urban Meyer was also in talks, right? It was also Urban Meyer's, Meyer's name that was brought up with the Cowboys and should they hire Urban Meyer, one of these college innovative coaches. Now that I'm looking back on it, even though I criticized the Cowboys for hiring old-fashioned uh, Mike McCarthy, who basically couldn't win with Aaron Rodgers, even though they won one championship, that was a facade, that was it. What could the Cowboys have done at that time? When you consider Urban Meyer was one of the names brought up and some other college coaches, I'm not too sure about the other names that was brought up, but it just shows you that either way, they probably still was going to be a mess. And maybe Mike McCarthy having that experience probably is 
better than Urban Meyer? I don't know. Well, here's the thing, though, dude. I, I think, to be honest, I like the connection you're bringing up between those two guys in the sense that I think they both could have been moves that just were made to make the fans happy. Like, Mike McCarthy has a good resume, but we know that he really wasn't the main reason why those Packer teams were winning in Green Bay. It was because of the roster around him. He, I think if Green Bay has better coaching in his in Aaron Rodgers' years before before got there, like he could have easily had more than one championship right now. And if the Cowboys, like, they're a talented team, we get that. If they would have just elevated Kellen Moore, if they would have brought in a, a young offensive mind that could have just helped Dak Prescott, like, I, we both agree there's talent on the Cowboys. Like, I don't think that there's some team that's, like, that far off. They just need a good coach to elevate their defense. How about, why, should, why didn't they um, elevate Kellen Moore to the head coaching? You know, I think you probably won that offense way better than a lot of these coaches, bro. I'm serious. Dude, I, I I think after the season, there's a good chance that McCarthy's out the door and Moore is that coach. I really do think it's possible. Possibly. Like like an offensive mind. And when it comes to Jacksonville, like, yeah, they're not the most talented roster in the league, but we've spoken about it. Dude, there's talent on this team. If they would have just brought in a young coach, like an innovative mind, like a, a Brian Dable, a Biennemi, whoever, like a guy that they would have thought they could have helped with Trevor Lawrence's development. Like, look, you said, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, like he should have, <laughs> joking around, like he could have went back to Clemson if he would have known the situation would have been this bad. To be honest, if they would have brought in another coach, not named Urban Meyer, who's been in the NFL, an NFL locker room before and knows how to talk to these players and an offensive guy that players in the locker room could respect, like, you know, like, I don't think this Jaguars team is like that they're more talented than the Texans and the Texans did work yesterday. Like, I just don't think these teams should be that bad. And I think they're co like John Gruden also like all these those three coaches, I think, are all in the same boat in the case that they have good resumes. But at the same time, they just aren't built for the NFL. And when we compare those guys to hires like Matt Rule and Sean McDermott, like coaches, hires that were made that may not have gotten all of the headlines. But at the same time, those two teams, Carolina, Buffalo, Cleveland with Kevin Stefanski, like those teams are in a better position right now than teams like the Jaguars. Jaguars and the Cowboys. And that's what they did. They signed Urban Meyer to be uh to sell tickets. You know, and you talk about Mike McCarthy being a con man. So is Urban Meyer. Because Urban Meyer, like I said, he's a motivational speaker. That's basically his forte. He knows how to make you feel the way how you thought you felt, but you didn't feel, right? He's just that type of guy. Even him coming to the stadium, just looking at him was a facade. I'm like, uh-oh. Urban Meyer is coming into the building. He about to set it off. And then once again, we saw what happened. He set it off all right, but in the other way, you know. <laughs> Listen, you know, the Jaguars is in a tough spot right now. I, I, I won't be surprised if Urban Meyer is one and done as a head coach in the football league. Dude, I agree 100%. Like, it, it clearly wasn't a great start. I know they have an interesting game next week at home against your Broncos. I mean, that is going to be a tough game, too. That's really a game the Broncos should win. So, um, you know, it's obviously not a, a great start for the Jaguars. And it's unfortunate because, like, Trevor Lawrence had some moments yesterday. Like, he had some nice throws. But at the same time, I think he's a quarterback that is going to be very hard to judge. I think there is a legitimate reason why this offseason, it was a very popular question, which quarterback from this class is going to be the best one long-term when it's all said and done? And Trevor Lawrence, a prospect that we've been watching at Clemson for the last couple of years, that we are all on the same page. He is one of the best and most talented uh, prospects we've ever seen. And there's a reason why no one was saying he was going to be the best guy long-term. And I think the coaching in the situation has a lot to do with it. Yeah, and my last point, on this topic is look at Sam Donald. I see the same thing here. Was in New York, didn't have the right coach, didn't have the right situation, didn't have the right team, 
and now he's going to Carolina and he's balling out. We could talk about the Jets and the, and the um, Panthers more tomorrow because I think they they worthy of talking about here, Zach Wilson and everything. But um, just look at that and look how when you have a great team and a great coach or a good coach that's making a name for himself and Matt Rule and, jo- and Joe Brady, that shows you that that can impact the quarterback. And right now, Trevor Lawrence is probably going to be like how Sam Donald was if they don't get it together. It's unfortunate, man, because he's so talented. Like, he had moments yesterday, but once again, already, before the game even started yesterday, Tufts dropping that there's some uh, crazy things going on in the Jaguars locker room. Not ideal there. Uh, Will, let's get into the Monday night game tonight a little bit. The Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson, they'll be heading to Vegas, taking on the Raiders, the first game in uh, Allegiant Stadium uh, with fans. And there was some news about Lamar Jackson that dropped recently that he is immersed in season uh, prep, not contract negotiations, obviously with Josh Allen getting paid over the offseason, Lamar Jackson and his contract situation have been in the news a lot. Lamar Jackson's mom actually represents him as his agent. And uh, when it comes to this, man, like, what comes to mind for you? Uh, do you think this would be the right move by Lamar Jackson? He's kind of implying that he's betting on himself going into this season to, to think that he's going to be making even more money by the time of this Raven season ends. But given the situation with their running backs and how banged up they are, like, do you think he's making the right call here? can't give you a definitive answer on this one Zach like I'm, I'm mixed because on one side you could say he has the right mindset focusing on football your objective is to win games and focus on games obviously football is more than what we see during the actual game there's film preparation practice preparation walkthrough preparation and then there's again that's a whole lot and you focusing on contract extensions could take your game away from that could take your mind off of the game because you're worried about negotiating in which you don't have an agent you're your own agent most guys have an agent you're your own agent you and your mom so that makes it even more to the point where you have to kind of like sit and actually think about it and actually negotiate instead of playing football so i can understand it from that perspective you want to focus on football you know you have a long season ahead of you you had some injuries ahead of you but to the flip side of that is that this game is number one unpredictable. Knock on wood here. You don't want to be Dak Prescott getting hurt and then, you know, trying to get the bag after. You want to be able to secure the bag because you just never know, right? The Cowboys gave Dak Prescott a bag when he got hurt. Most teams will probably not do that. But we all know Jerry Jones is going to be willing to sell his soul on the dotted line, right, for a championship. That's just basically what it was going to come down to. But most franchises don't operate like that maybe you can say Lil, it's a new era brooklyn kd whatever you can say that but you want to be able to secure the bag you want to be able to get that down pat because you are proving that you're one of the more important quarterbacks to your team josh allen is a great quarterback right but yeah he's a great quarterback baker mayfield you don't want him to get paid before you do at the same time because he's not good he's not great he's good but he's not great Lamar Jackson, you mean so much to your team. You should be wanting to get paid and, and um, have that money. This way you can go out there with that behind your back and you can play freely and actually prove the dollars wrong. Now, I don't know if it's Lamar Jackson saying that I didn't accomplish what I thought I wanted to already. Like, you know, the playoff roles, we all know about that and people criticizing his passing. Maybe it's his way of showing that I'm going to show y'all that I am that guy and I can make the throws down the field and I can lead this team to the playoffs despite the injuries and I can win the playoff game or two and I'm going to show you I'm worthy of being paid. I don't know what it is. Lamar Jackson is humble. 
That's one thing to note here. He's a very humble God. He's not like these other gods. So maybe it's him being humble. But at the same time, you have to know how to navigate with being humble and saying, this is what I'm worth and I need this right now. I think this is such a fascinating situation because the thing about Lamar Jackson, which is so interesting, is from an on-the-field perspective, I totally agree. He means so much to that Raven team. They've literally invested in him by building the offense around him and the way he plays. And I think they've done a good job of that. And he's, of course, he deserves to get paid. He's an elite quarterback, an elite talent in this league. But the thing about Lamar Jackson is I think if the Ravens want to win with him, they have to do it sooner rather than later just because I think his peak is really good, but I think it's only going to last like three, four, five years compared to some other quarterbacks who last like eight, nine years when it comes to the elite quarterbacks in the league. And I just think if you're Lamar Jackson, given the way you play and given all you've accomplished, like I think that you should go into the season with a contract because let's be honest, Will, like we're both kind of skeptical on the Ravens right now. Like I know we both picked them to make the playoffs, but considering their uh, running backs, considering the way the Steelers looked yesterday in that AFC North, like I think I think the Raiders are winning tonight. I, I think that's a tough game uh, for Lamar Jackson. And I think the Ravens in this environment, in this spot, being on the road in front of those, there's going to be freaking Elvis dressed up as a Raider. There's going to be Marilyn Monroe in the Raiderette. Like those fans in Vegas for the Raiders are going to be crazy tonight. I think that scene is going to be absolutely electric. And the Ravens, we have also spoken about like just how tough of a league the AFC is as a whole i think this season could be challenging for the ravens and if you're lamar and you go into next offseason missing the playoffs god forbid and without a contract and i just don't think that would be in an ideal situation i think this guy has proven enough throughout his career so far that he is one of the elite quarterbacks in the league he deserves to get paid i would request for about the same money if not a little more that josh allen got and I think we should go from there. I think this is something the Ravens should get off the table just because both sides need each other. And uh, Lamar Jackson, as great as he is, I just don't know if his game is built to last over the course of the next four to five years. So the Ravens need to lock him up now to that four or five year deal and see what he has up his sleeve. Marilyn Monroe, bro, she was a beautiful human being. Mm -hmm. man. I, I see why JFK got down, brother. I see why JFK got down. <laughs> oh man but um back to the lamar jackson point right and talking about it i i can definitively agree with you here i'm um, just hearing you talking and, and kind of new thoughts coming into my head number one you lost your whole entire running game to injuries right you picked up Le'Veon bell from the couch latavius murray from the couch and these are guys that you're expecting to help you out this should mean that you're probably going to pass the ball more, I would assume, especially if these guys had them, you know, couch legs still, you know, you know, running through mud, almost running through quicksand because they have been out for a little bit. And Le'Veon Bell has lost a step. You know, it's clear as day he lost a step. So that means you're going to be used even more with your legs, with your arm, and you're going to be even more used and involved in this office and even more important to this team. Two, what I alluded to before. This is not this is not 16 games now. There's another game added to the regular season calendar in which you play a dangerous style of football by you utilizing your legs so much. So you have an extra game added to the regular season calendar. You should want to secure this bag. 
Yeah, man. I think it's such a, the Ravens are one of the more interesting teams because they are a team that has been established as a clear playoff team over the last couple of years. Lamar Jackson wins regular season games. That's something he's always done uh, throughout the course of his career. And he means so much to the, to these Ravens. But at the same time, I am kind of a little skeptical why they haven't paid him yet. Like Baker Mayfield and the doubts the Browns have about paying him. Like I totally understand that. I think this season he has a lot to prove, but Lamar Jackson, I feel like he doesn't get the benefit of the doubt from a lot of quarterbacks like i've mentioned this once before what other quarterback in the league when we mention like immediately we just go right to his weaknesses in terms of like elite quarterbacks like we bring up lamar jackson and i always talk about how great of a runner he is how athletic like he's literally the best running quarterback i've ever seen since i've started watching football but then i feel like when i bring him up in conversation among the elite quarterbacks everyone just says oh he he can't pass the ball he can't win in the playoffs like which quarterback under 30 has one in the playoffs not named mahomes and when it comes to just how good of a player he is i feel like maybe the ravens organization is kind of having those doubts in the same way and for all that he's done for that team considering he's only getting better like what other player do we just cut off his peak at like age 23 like this guy's still super young um i think the ravens have to realize that now is their time to win with him and they should make him more comfortable with that three four five year deal but yes i agree but to the flip side i would say to that is that pretty much a lot of quarterbacks Including African-American, I'm going to just call it what it is. I'm not even going to beat around the bush. They, to some extent, had to go through narratives from the media, whether it was pre-draft or during, you know, during the actual season. Obviously, some of these guys kind of shh the doubters during the regular season based on their play. Right, Kyler Murray, he had a lot of flack during pre-draft about his size and, and this and that. Justin Fields, can he read defenses or not? So, those same narratives affect Lamar Jackson and affected him pre-draft and it's still affecting him more which I would agree than other quarterbacks that are still playing right now but at the same time when you look at that I guess when you look at Lamar Jackson and I'm gonna just keep it real here like I said before it could be the system or what it is but we don't see Lamar Jackson sit there in the pocket and make all the throws we know he's capable of doing so but we don't see so consistently every time they go up against the Steelers Lamar Jackson throws, throws a lot of interceptions probably two or three interceptions a game the last two times they played the Steelers a great defense three interceptions two interceptions four interceptions right so we want to know last year in the playoffs the, the, the Lamar Jackson had to pass the ball he didn't make good throws you know he didn't make good reads but what he is good at is his legs and I think when you allude to it when you always say you take with the Ravens, the league zig while the Ravens zag, well, people are not used to the zagging. And I guess that has a lot to do with their impersonation and their mindset when it comes to Lamar Jackson and how they view Lamar. It's because he's so different. He's winning the game with his legs, even though Cam Newton did the same thing, even though Michael Vick did the same thing. So, yeah, I can agree. I'm in the middle. I can agree with what you were saying because those two great quarterbacks, Cam Newton and, and Michael Vick, Literally won the game with their legs. But I guess because they got to the Super Bowl, um, Cam Newton, that is, that kind of quieted down the haters. But then they're coming back now. So, you know, it's hard. It's a hard dynamic, Zach. I really can't give you a definitive answer on why Lamar Jackson is that guy that's being single-handedly. But I could give you some reasoning and some possibilities behind it. 
Yeah, I think it's just it's a big season for him. And I just think if you're going to bet on yourself after any season like this is or before any season, I should say, this just isn't the one to do it. I, I think the Ravens are super banged up right now. The injury bug is obviously bitten them, especially when you consider just how tough the AFC and the AFC North is as a whole. The Ravens and this contract situation are definitely going to be something uh, to monitor uh, going forward. Well, before we get out of here, we're going to end today's show giving out our In the Huddle game ball. Basically, we're going to be giving out this game ball to our best performer from yesterday. It's the game ball. And I'll start this off. Uh, this was a tough choice. There were so many guys that I could have given this uh, game ball to. But I'm actually going to give this game ball to someone that we've actually spoken about on this show. We spoke, him a little, uh, spoke a little bit about him during the offseason and his contract situation. There were very few players in yesterday's action that when I asked myself, okay, why did his team win the game? And the reason is literally him. Like, that's the only reason. And I think the player that falls directly into that category is Xavier Howard of the Miami Dolphins being able to force that fumble on the Patriots in the red zone with Damian Harris. The Dolphins ended up winning the game because obviously I think New England scores at least a field goal if that fumble doesn't occur. He punched the ball out, a phenomenal effort. And I just love this Miami de uh, defense, man. They always find a way to force that big turnover in the right spot. Brian Flores has now won in Foxborough two out of his first three years as Dolphins head coach. That is not something easy to do. And to be honest, like Matt Jones outplayed Tua yesterday. He was better but still the Dolphins found a way to win and even though their defense they let Damian Harris run the ball all over them they found a way to only give up 17 points or 16 points and they found a way to force the big turnover in the big spot props to Xavier Howard he saved the game for the Miami Dolphins yesterday he would be getting my game ball I'm gonna give my game ball to the one and only Chandler Jones for having five sacks this is a guy that got hurt last year he came back with a vengeance. You talk about contracts and who getting contracts and who's not. Well, this brother don't got this contract that he deserves, right? And he came out and he balled from injury, you know, getting to Ryan Tannehill, you know, making sure that Ryan Tannehill didn't have all day in that pocket to find his weapons at his disposal that he does have on this team with Julio and A.J. Brown. This is going to be the reason why I have even more faith in the Cardinals this year. It's mainly because of the defense. If the defense can play like this and Chandler Jones can lead like this, then this is going to be a scary team because offensively there's no concern. Um, the coaching staff got a long way to go. But if you can have the talent, you know, and to overtake that, it will be a good reason to pick the Cardinals to get to a playoff this year just based off the talent alone. We all know what we saw from the offensive side of the ball. That was equally impressive. But I want to focus and give some love to the defense. Starting with Chandler Jones for how good he played and Let's see him and J.J. Watt together. You know, these are two guys that probably had the most sacks in the league in the last five years together combined. Now they playing on the same team. Watch out for this Cardinals defense. Even Isaiah Simmons made a play yesterday with an interception. I'm expecting him to be able to be more involved in that defense and get more snaps. So, yeah, I'll give it to Chandler Jones. That's my game ball. That guy, yeah. shout out to him. 
that was a super impressive effort from Arizona yesterday. Like speaking of teams punching other teams in the mouth, like they went into Tennessee and just knocked out the Titans and the Titans really could not ever recover. DeAndre Hopkins, what a just freak of nature. The couple uh, plays he was able to make, that was just phenomenal stuff. Uh, great start for Kyler, man. Like he, we all know he's an elite talent. Uh, I was a little skeptical about his toughness going into the season. And, you know, I, playing in that tough NFC West, like there's still going to be plenty of big games that he's going to need to win. Uh, but that obviously was a great start. Um, he just, he looked really Really good yesterday no doubt about it he's a, a special talent and we'll see if uh arizona's defense can keep it up like chandler jones had a serious injury last year and he was able to um come in there yesterday dominate apparently i don't know if you heard this but after the game or towards the end of the game the cardinals gm steve kime came onto the sidelines to congratulate T uh, chandler jones on the big game and all chandler jones did was pat uh steve kime on his in his pocket where his wallet would be uh basically implying for that contract extension so uh it's gonna be interesting to see what ends up going on with arizona we'll see I just want to make one more point too. The the tackle that was blocking blocking um Chandler Jones, he came out on Twitter, and it, it said, "Listen, I got my behind beat." Like he literally came out and said, "I got my behind beat." Thank you, the Chandler Jones, for allowing me to see where I got to work on. I'm paraphrasing here, um, <laughs> to work on. You don't see grown men like that go on Twitter and say thank you to the person that basically busted their behind. You know that shows you that Chandler Jones is the real deal and that guy you know he respects him yeah just one more quick point on this game like i'm not gonna lie great effort by the cardinals they deserve credit they came in there it's never easy to not only win a road game in the nfl against a good team but just dominate one but not gonna lie like i'm kind of concerned about the titans like their defense looked exactly where they picked off from last year their offensive line looked significantly worse especially after drafting a first rounder last year that's a complete bust he's not even in the league anymore in isaiah wilson they drafted a kid in the second round that didn't even start yesterday um considering this is a titan team that lost arthur smith all also, and a lot of people were super high on their offense going into the season. Like, well, I'm not going to lie. Like, that was super concerning yesterday. And now next week they go to Seattle, which is never an easy place to win. Like, I could be a little bit concerned about the Titans right now. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie either. I'm concerned about the division in general. The Titans individually, yeah, I'm concerned with the defense and how that defense looked. I thought we were going to see some improvement, you know, to get some takeaways. But no, that defense is not going to cut it at all. Um, the Colts, I didn't think Carson Wentz looked any greater than what we, what, than what people were saying he was going to have this career with Juvenation. So we'll see what happens in that AFC South. I'm not confident in none of those teams right now where we stand. The, Col the Colts actually play the Rams next week. That probably will be an L for them, um, as, as well as the Seahawks and the Titans. That could be an L for Seattle, I mean for um, the Titans. So that AFC South is going to be tough to watch, especially that I didn't even mention the Texans in Jacksonville. So good luck. Whoever wins that division might possibly win nine games, the way I was looking like. Yeah, dude, absolutely. But my guy, we're going to have another episode tomorrow. A lot of things to go over between a reaction to the Raiders and the Ravens. Obviously, huge Monday night game tonight. Uh, first game at Allegiant Stadium with fans. We're going to get into, as you mentioned earlier, a little bit more deeper into the Washington football team and their quarterback situation. Cam Newton could uh, his signing be on the horizon. Even some fantasy football talk as well. Will, my guy, it was a great Sunday of football. I love doing the show with you, recapping it all. Have a good one, dude. You too, man. It was a great show today. I'm looking forward to this Raiders and Ravens game tonight. So I'm going to sit back and watch some Monday Night Football, man. Let's get it. Now you're pumped. You got to get ready for the big payback.